Welcome to Revealed Truth, the audio outreach ministry of Moores Creek Baptist Church. I am Pastor Roger Barnes, and I invite you now to join me as we open the Bible, God's Revealed Truth. If you found that eighth verse of the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, if you'd be so kind as to stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's Word. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, and it reads like this. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Father, this morning we have worshipped you through our time of fellowship and Bible study and Sunday school, through our time with the children, through our singing, through the wonderful song that was just shared that caused our mind to think about our Jesus in those years that are not written about him. And now we open your word and Paul's going to expose to us just who this Jesus is. So I ask this of you. You open our hearts and our minds. You take the things of the world and you set them to the side, Father, and let us focus our attention solely upon you and upon your son, Jesus Christ, and your word to us this morning. Make very little of me very much of you, that you may be glorified in this place. This we pray in the name of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we started this fifth chapter, we did look at that walk of love. And as we moved over to the eighth verse, we started talking about how our walk is not only a worthy walk, but that worthy walk included a walk of love and also includes a walk of light. And we talked about the fact that there is this this darkness in the world and there's this light in the world. And we looked at the comparison of those things. The fact that that darkness is of Satan. And it said there that we once were darkness. It wasn't that we were participating in darkness. It wasn't that we were uh, just a victim of darkness. But we were darkness because Satan was our father. He was our leader. He was the one instructing us and leading us and guiding us. And, And we did those things of darkness not because we were victims, but because we were darkness. We were darkness, he says there in verse 8. But then he goes on to say, but now you are light. Now you are light. That's where, that's where Jesus showed up in our life. All of us who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, there's a moment in our life where the light switch of salvation was turned on in our life and there became this light that is from Jesus Christ. There's this light that is glowing in our life. And, and Paul went on to give us a comparison of that light and that darkness. He said first that we were darkness. And he talked about what darkness was. The fact that darkness was from Satan. The fact that there was this darkness in our life. And then he moved and he said that there is this, this light in our life. He says that we have now become uh, light. He gave us some of those characteristics of what that light uh, is. The fact that there is this darkness and then there's this, this light in our life. And he, the, one of the most beautiful pictures of this light coming alive in our life is where we left off last week. So flip over with me to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. And let's get a running start into what this is. This is, the, this is the scripture, remember, I read last week that said this will be a great place for you to turn Pentecostal and jump up and shout. Because I don't know how in the world you can read this, this second uh, chapter of 1 
1 Peter, starting in the ninth verse, and this just not come alive in your heart, for it says this in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen generation. It's wonderful to know that God has chosen us. Amen. The Almighty God we sung about earlier, we sung, uh, that we heard sung about His Son and the, the time that He walked this earth, that, that God who has set everything into motion has chosen us to be His. He's made us, it says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people. See, this God, this almighty God that set the world into what it is by speaking it into existence and put it into place and it's, it's spinning in this vast universe full of, of other planets and stars and, and he controls the seasons as we see the season change. And this same God has made you special. He has made you special. It goes on to say that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness because you were darkness. He has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. See this God, this almighty God who spoke and the sun showed up. Who spoke and the waters parted and, and land was formed. Who spoke and things came into existence. Who took his very breath and breathed it into the nostrils of the very first man, Adam. And gave him life. This God that is so powerful, he raised his only begotten son from the dead. This same God has chosen you and he's chosen you by taking you from the darkness that you were and placing you in the marvelous light. What an awesome thought to think the darkness has been expelled. He goes on to say, for once you were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Are you glad that the all-powerful God of creation is merciful? I don't know how many times I've had discussions with folks that said, I can't believe you're so narrow-minded. You believe there's only one way to heaven. I can't believe that you're so narrow-minded. You think the God of creation, that the Bible says is a God of love, would be a God that would damn you to hell, would send you to hell. Let me give you the good news. God will not send you to hell. But if you go, it'll be because you choose it. It'll be because you choose it. Because it says right there, he has already chosen us. This God of creation has chosen you. If you choose not to be his, hell is your destination. Darkness will never leave your life. You will be in a place of outer darkness where there's gnashing of teeth, where there is wailing, where there is, as the Bible says, when one man went, he saw how awful hell was. And he said, can't you just send someone back to my household? Just send someone back to tell them. Just please tell them. And God said, I've already sent someone. I've already sent my only begotten son. I've already sent Jesus to hang up on a cross to tell us that we don't have to live in darkness. There is light and that light comes through the outstretched hands of our Savior, Jesus Christ. What an awesome thought to think that he has moved us from this darkness that we once were and into this marvelous light. Well, what is this marvelous light? Flip over to John 8. John chapter 8. And we get a picture of just exactly what this marvelous light is. For you see, Jesus himself steps into the scene. Jesus himself steps in and he talks to us in the verse, uh, verse number 12 of, of chapter 8 of the book of John. He says this. He says, then Jesus spoke to them again. And he said, I am 
the light of the world. What is the light, the marvelous light that God has taken us from darkness and set us in? It is none other than Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. I can't wait to get to heaven. One of the things that is going to be so amazing in heaven, it's going to be a lot like Alaska parts of the year. Do you realize in Alaska parts of the year there is no night? Of course, in other parts of the year there is no day. (laughs) I'd rather think about the time that there is no darkness, that there is day forever. See, when we get to heaven, the sun will shine forever. But it will not be the S-U-N. It will be the capital S-O-N. See, the light of heaven is Jesus Christ. God said through Peter that he has taken us from the darkness of sin and placed us into this marvelous light. Jesus said, I'm the light. But thank goodness it didn't stop there. Look at the next part of that. In that same verse, he says, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness. In other words, if you are following the light and the light is so bright that it lights everything up, you'll no longer be in darkness. He goes on to say, but have the light of life. You see, let's face it, folks. There is life and there is death. We all are appointed one day to die physically. Unless Jesus comes back, there will be the day that this body will expire. For some of us, we feel like it's getting here very quickly. All of a sudden, it feels like it's approaching fast. But you know, there's another life and death that makes the death of my body pale in comparison. For you see, this body will go back to that from which it came, which is the dust of the earth. This body will be no more. But there is a soul that is going to live forever. Forever. How long is eternity? It's an eternity. It's forever. And he tells us that if we have come out of the darkness into the light, that our eternal life is in the light. Where is Jesus right now? Where is our Lord and our Savior? He is in the presence of the Almighty God. For us to be in Him, guess where we're going to be for all of eternal life? We're going to be looking our Savior in the eye and in the presence of our Heavenly Father, the God Almighty. There will be a day that a table will be set and we will sit around the table for the marriage supper of the Lamb. There will be a day that we will walk down the streets of gold and we will see the, the river that is so clear it looks as if it's crystal. We will see the gates that are made out of a single pearl. We will see all of those who have gone on before us that know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There will come the day that there will be no more tears. There will be no more sorrow. There will be nothing to cry about for there will be no sin. You see, there is eternal life and there's also eternal death and that death is for those who still walk in darkness who still have satan as their father your destination is going to be loneliness separation from an almighty god that loved you through his only precious son jesus christ it's going to be complete torment and torture for eternity I heard a preacher just this week was preaching on the passages about that and, and where it talks about the fact that that will be where there's gnashing of teeth. There will be those there where there's eternal fire and torment. And he said, you know, I'm asked all the time, said, Pastor, don't you think that's symbolic language? <laughs> and then, then he answered, he said, you know what? Even if it's symbolic language, what's it symbolic for? 
It's not a trip to Hawaii. Whatever it is, whether it's actual gnashing of teeth and wailing and fire, or if it's just symbolic, it's not a vacation. You are not going to be hanging out with your friends, partying for all of eternity. See, what makes hell hell? It's going to be you in remembrance of all those things that you have done to sin against an almighty God in complete solitary confinement, having no one to lean upon. There will be no one who loves you. There will be no one who brings water to put on your tongue because your mouth is on fire. You will forever in all of eternity suffer. And you'll do it because you choose to do it. Because God has already said, I will take you from the darkness to the light, but you must be in the light. And Jesus himself said that he is the light. And proof that you are not in darkness but are in light is that you follow him in that light. If we are in the light, church, if we have truly accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we have denied self and put away that sin in our life and have taken Jesus Christ as the light of our life and if eternity is our destination, what does that look like to the world we live in? You know, I've told you many times, if salvation, your eternal destination was the end goal of God sending His Son to die upon a cross for your sins, if that was all there was to it, why are we still here? We're either not saved Or God's not finished with us. I believe God's not finished with us. God has left us here on this earth for a reason. He has left us here for a reason. Look over at Matthew 5 with me. For you see, if we truly are the light of the world, if we're truly walking in that light, the world should see this light. Matthew 5, jump down to verse 14, and it says this, You are the light of the world. Of the world. Remember that connection. Jesus said, I am the light. He says that if we are not in darkness, if we are in him, we are walking in the light. So therefore, we must be the light. He says, you are the light of the world. And he goes on to pose this this proposition. He says, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Have you ever been to the mountains? You ever been to the mountains? You know, you ride those dirt roads up there. And and if you're like us, sometimes we'll uh, rent a, a cabin not knowing where it's at. We'll be on the motorcycles. We'll decide to go and we get there and it winds up being a cow path that goes three and a half miles up the side of a mountain. And we're on motorcycles and we're riding. We always wind up getting there after dark, even though we don't plan it that way. But as we're headed up the side of the mountain, do you know the thing that's so amazing to me? You can tell where all the other occupied cabins are at all around you, can't you? And it's not because you can hear them. Most times they're at a great distance. But as you go around those mountains and you look out across, there'll be all these the blackness of the trees, and you'll see a light. You look across, there'll be another light. If you connect the dots, you can almost see the road that runs from those cabins back down that mountain. If you turn and you look across the other valley, you see those cabins on the hill. And all this darkness... You can spot the light. And see what he says, a city that is set on a hill, it cannot be hidden. He also says in verse 15, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. What would be the purpose of us turning on all these lights and then covering them all up with baskets? We would be extinguishing the light. Those cabins on a hill, they didn't build a big fence around them so the light stayed inside. He said, 
They don't light a lamp and put a basket or put it under a basket. He says, but they put it up on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. To all who are in the house. Think about your life. Think about your life since you've come out of darkness into the light of Christ. As you walk around in this dark world, do you have a basket over your light? Or is your light shining so that it is lighting up all of those around you? See, because Jesus goes on to say in verse 16, Let your light show shine before men. What is your light? (laughs) Jesus Christ. If you know him as your Lord and Savior, the light of your life is Jesus Christ. He says, let your light, you could might as well say, let Jesus so shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You're going to say, Pastor, hold on a second. You've told us a million times salvation has absolutely nothing to do with works, and you are absolutely correct. What you do cannot earn you a ticket to heaven. There is not enough people to walk across the street. There's not enough poor people to feed. There's not enough handicap ramps we can build or houses we can redo to gain entrance into heaven. How do I know that? Because the Bible says all those things that we do are as filthy rags. They're absolutely worth nothing if Jesus Christ isn't in the middle of it. You see, we have to understand that works are not the way in. But we also, church, must understand that if Jesus has saved you, you'll work. You won't work for salvation, but you will work because of salvation. What if Jesus had have chosen not to do the work necessary for you to have eternal life in heaven? You see, Jesus worked. We see it. We just heard a song sung about a period of his life we didn't hear about him. Yet for three years, he did the work that God had set before him to accomplish our salvation. How do we know it was the work God set before him? Because he kneeled on his knees in a garden the night before they hung him on a cross. And he said, Father, if there's any way possible, would you please let this cup pass from me? If there's any way possible, can it just go away? He said, but Father, don't do it because I want to. You do your will. If I've got to drink the cup, hand it to me. What if God... Had I said, okay, Jesus, have it your way. You don't want to do it? Don't do it. What if Jesus had I said, I've done a lot, but this one last thing I'm not willing to do? We would still be in darkness. You see, we don't work to gain salvation, but we do work because of salvation. See, we are no longer in darkness, but we are now in light. And we must walk in the light. We are to shine so brightly through those things that God does through us that the world sees His marvelous mercy and His grace. That mercy and grace that leads to salvation. Many of us don't do the work because we don't feel worthy. We're not worthy. We are not worthy. Thank goodness when God looks at me, He doesn't see me. He sees Jesus. Why? Because I am in the light. When God looks down at me, he sees what his son Jesus Christ did for me. He took the wretched man that I was and made me righteous through his son Jesus Christ. We are to take that righteousness to a lost and dying world. How will the world come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? How will they come to know? Most folks this morning that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, 
are not sitting in a church. Most folks this morning are not sitting at home trying to find good preaching on TV. Most folks that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior aren't even looking for Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You know why they don't see Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Because the world that they're in is total darkness. Do you know why their world is total darkness? Because we put a basket over our light. This morning there is someone sitting somewhere in complete hopelessness and doesn't realize the answer is Jesus. And it's because we've never shown the light of Jesus in their life by the works that we have done. Church, to me, that's very convicting. It's very convicting to me to think that there are people within shouting distance of this building this morning that their destiny is a place called hell. And a reason their destiny could be a place called hell is because we've never shown them the light of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, we are to walk in the light. Thank goodness Paul goes on to give us some characteristics of that light. We'll read those. And we'll come back and talk about them next week. I know you find it hard to believe, but we're out of time already this morning. In verse 8, he said, we were once darkness, but now we are light. He says, to walk as children of light. In verse 9, and some of your Bibles may be in parentheses. It's a place that he's now going to make a decoration of this. What does it mean to walk as children of light? To walk as children of light, verse 9, he says this. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. See, in our life, there is something called fruit. There is either the fruit of darkness and death, or there is the fruit of life, light. I have people all the time say, Pastor, my wife especially, she beats me up all the time. She says, you're awful hard on those folks sometimes. One day they're just going to take you out in the yard and whip you. She says, you're always telling them the bad, but I just tell you what comes next in the Bible. I don't skip anything. I just tell you what comes next. I think Jesus talks about sin the most and and wrote about sin the most in the Bible because we need to be reminded about sin in our life. And we think about sin in our life as those things that we go out and do, those things that we commit. We think whenever I were, if I were to go around a room and you were to be honest and we were to stand up one at a time and I was to say, tell me what sin you've committed this past week. And everybody would talk about some sin, whether it be lying, cheating, stealing, uh, whatever it may be. But I would dare say there would be very few, if any, that would stand up and have a sin of omission, which is different than a sin of commission. Commission are those things that we think about the laws that we should not break, that God has told us those moral things in our life, and we break those and we see those as sin. But if you really look at what Jesus talks about the most and is written the most about in the Bible, it's really not those things of the law. For Jesus said that he come to fulfill the law and to take care of all those things for us. So if we're walking in him, we shouldn't have to worry about pornography on our computers. We shouldn't have to worry about saying things that we shouldn't say. We shouldn't have to worry about stealing something. If we're walking in the light, those things should be really easy. But there's a sin that's not so easy in our life, church. It's the sin of omission. What do I mean by omission? It's omitting that which you should be doing. Think about that cabin on the hill. Think about the fact that if you were lost in the mountains and you were trying to find your way home, 
I can only imagine if all the stars were in and the moon wasn't shining and all the lights were out on the cabins in the mountains, you wouldn't really know up from down, left from right, the valley from the top, would you? You'd look around in utter lostness. We see it happen. There are entire crews of men and women that go and search for people lost in mountains and wilderness places. Why? Because it's very difficult to find your way in a place that there are no road signs. It's very difficult to find your way in a place that there may not even be roads. They say oftentimes a person that's lost in the wilderness will circle and circle and circle, thinking they're making headway, and really they keep coming right back to the same spot that they were. Seems very simple. You would say, if I'm on the mountain and I know there's a road in the valley, I just go downhill. The odd thing, they say, is when a person gets lost, sometimes they go uphill thinking they're going downhill. Yet how much easier, how much easier would it be if you were lost, if there was a lighthouse or a bright shining light across the way, that you could focus on that light and say, you know, I don't know if I'm going uphill, downhill, left or right, but I know that light's where I've got to go. If you come across something that is in your way, a, a big boulder or a hole, and you can't go straight across, it doesn't matter. Because you can circumvent that and still keep your eye on that light. No matter where life may take you, you have a light. And that light is Jesus Christ. That light is Jesus Christ. How does that apply to our life? Our life should be filled with light. What is the light that the world sees in our life? It's the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. That's where Paul's going to take us next week when we get together. My question for you this morning, church, is this. First and foremost, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'm not asking if your name is on the roll. I'm not asking if you've been perfect Sunday school attendance for a hundred years. I'm not even asking if you've been in this baptismal pool and been completely submerged underwater because there are going to be those that show up at heaven. And when they're asked, why should I let you in? They're going to say, you remember the day I walked out of that church? Jesus is going to go, mm, no. So you remember the day that I was baptized? He's going to go, uh, no. You remember the day that I was teaching the Sunday school class? He's going to go, uh, no. You remember? Uh, my dad was the preacher. I was always at church. You, you, no, I don't remember that. You see, there's going to be the day you're going to stand before an almighty God, and there's only one right answer to the question of why should I allow you into a place called heaven. That's whenever you look at the Son of Jesus, or the Son of God, Jesus, and you say to him, I've gained entrance because you are the light of my life. Is it worth your pride to spend eternity in a place called hell? Is it worth you not embarrassing yourself in front of somebody you've been at church with for 40 years? To come forward and say, you know, I've never really made Jesus the light of my life. Is it worth embarrassing yourself? Let me ask you a question. Is heaven worth it? I think heaven's worth it. It doesn't matter how long you've been part of a church. It doesn't matter all the good things that you've done. It doesn't matter the number of times you've read the Bible. If Jesus Christ is not the light of your life, your destination is a place called hell. I beg of you, don't leave this place this morning without Him turning on the light of salvation in your life. We never know. Thursday night, I got a phone call from a distraught member of this church. It was a little difficult to understand what was being said, but 
I'll relay it to you as I heard it on my end. I said, Pastor Roger, I need you to come right now. I need you to come right now because I just walked over to the couch and found my husband laying dead. 30 minutes before, he was playing with the grandbaby. She had gone to wash the grandbaby. He had come back and he was taking a nap on the couch. She was going to wake him up for dinner. And he was dead. Don't think you're going to have the opportunity to say, Death angel, not right now. I need one more chance. There are no second chances. Every time I spend time with a family who's lost a loved one, I mourn with them for the loss, but I mourn more heavily for those who have yet to take the opportunity God has laid before you, which is to accept Jesus Christ as the light of your life. I beg of you this morning, if you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, let today be the day that you do just that. Thank you for joining us here at Revealed Truth. I would like to personally invite you to visit with us at Morris Creek Baptist Church. We're located at 3107 Union Chapel Road in Curry, North Carolina. Our Sunday school starts at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and is followed at 11 o'clock with our Sunday morning worship service. We also have a time of prayer and Bible study on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. We look forward to seeing you soon.